Tonight's going to be a very interesting night. You're going to see and realize that the Holy Spirit's already been speaking very profoundly. I, I was wrestling, to be honest, a little bit tonight because I was like, Lord, this is really an intense word, uh, for a meaty word, and it's not... And it's a word that if you get it to the wrong people, they might just run crazy and do like crazy things. But I really felt it so strong tonight. As you hopefully you know, uh, this is Rosh Hashanah. It began last night at sunset. It is actually the only holiday that actually goes for two days. It goes from sunset on Friday to sunset on Sunday. So we're smack dab in the middle of it tonight. And tomorrow's service will be all within the Rosh Hashanah. But it's interesting, Ezekiel is the only one that ever called it Rosh Hashanah. It actually is really the Feast of Trumpets. And it's a very significant time and season, the Feast of Trumpets. And, and I, believe, I don't believe in accidents. God is a master poet, guys. I mean, he is incredible. He is a master poet. Some of you know, and those of you that don't know, in 2020, uh, Travis and I traveled all over the country in the summer of 2020. We actually began here. We were here at the beginning of this. God told us to go to all the lower 48 states, to go to all the capitals and other key cities and pray. And we were actually here. And the first places we went to, we started on the 4th of July was the first places we started praying, and we went down and we prayed uh, down at uh, uh, Facebook and Google and Twitter and all the other, you know, you know, idols to man. <laughs> we went down there, and, and God spoke incredibly. In fact, I didn't know what was going on, but the Lord began to speak certain things. Every t- one we stepped on, it just prophetically flowed. And Originally, I, I thought we were supposed to go to maybe about 15 or 14, 15 or 16 key cities. And Travis jumps out and says, all 48. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you know? I mean, that's going to take months. Do you know how much money that's going to cost? We're driving an RV, you know, at seven miles a gallon on a good day. You know, and, and, and all this other stuff. And it was, but we went up to Carson City and prayed Carson City was the first capital we prayed in. The moment I stepped on the ground, the spirit of prophecy hit. It was so, I mean, God was like unveiling how the government literally is operating there, how most of the politicians are just puppets of a handful of people in Vegas. I mean, God was just unveiling stuff. And many of the things, so many of the things that he showed us in prayer uh, and in the time of prophecy, he confirmed it later on. So it was phenomenal. But after that, I was like, okay, we need to go. And we, we went. We started on the 4th of July, which is our natural Independence Day. And we traveled all over the country for 87 days. And to our surprise, we didn't realize it, but the very last day we ended on Yom Kippur, which is our spiritual Independence Day. God is a master poet. But during that time, also something happened is on Rosh Hashanah, you, what you, many of you may not realize, Rosh Hashanah is also, it's a blowing of the trumpets. It's a calling forth God's people to a season of reflection and repentance. And it's a time of mercy. Also, the Jews believe that on the day of, or on the Rosh Hashanah, these two days, this holiday, that God decides who is going to live and who is going to die that year. 
And he makes a decision. There's, there's those that he decides at that point, And then there's that season of repentance for those that he didn't make the final decision on to see where they land. In 2020, on Rosh Hashanah, the Supreme Court Justice Ruth Gator Ginsburg died. She was one of the biggest proponents, and I don't know if you know this, but she was of Jewish heritage. And she was one of the biggest proponents of abortion. 40 days, everybody say 40. 40 is a significant number in Scripture. 40 days exactly later, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed as the next Supreme Court Justice, who happened to be the vote, the key vote, that pushed it over to finally overturn that horrific violation of the sanctity of life, Roe v. Wade. Come on, amen? amen. Don't you think God, listen, God, God was saying to us as a church, wake up. I'm involved in all of this. I am up to something significant. And I want to put a couple things in your spirit because if you don't get your mind out of the conversation of the day, if you don't get your mind out of the political debates and all the different things that are going on, you will fail to see what God is up to. But God is calling a people up to be watchmen. In fact, you, probably, you start singing this. This is the title of my message. The day of the watchman has come. Okay, so I was over here and doing, you, yes, Jesus, you are such a poet. The day of the watchman has come, the end time prophetic anointing. The day of the watchman has come, the end time prophetic anointing. There's a shift about to happen, and there's a shift that happens in the end time message. If you, everything that God is already is going to do, God has already done. He's kind of laid out a roadmap in history to point us to the future. He does it over and over and over again. We saw that with the life of Christ, before the life of Christ. How many times did he have different people throughout history live out parts of, of, of the biblical story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? We see that time and again. We see all that in Jonah. We saw that in aspects of the life of David. We saw that in the sacrifices. God lays it out and shows in history, and he does it. He's amazing. He actually does it. Through human lives, he actually causes things to be in such a way to speak to us to true spiritual events that are about to take place. And one of the things God told me, he said, the final days of Jesus here on the earth is a prophetic roadmap of the end times. And here we see Jesus. What happened on the final days of Jesus? Well, we see him outside of the city of Jerusalem. Now, Jesus is the glory of God. He was the visible manifestation of the invisible God, the light being the outraying of the divine. The Bible says, he, Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. When you saw Jesus, you saw the glory of God. Now, the glory of God, I'm going to go fast tonight. Is that all right? Okay, the glory of God is coming back to the church before Jesus comes for the church. The glory of God in Jesus was outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem spoke of the government or the center of God's people, the center of God's church, the throne of God. The glory is not really manifested in much of the church now. But the fullness of the glory is coming back to the church before Jesus comes for the church. And he's looking for vessels. That's why he could have just walked in himself, but he, had, he found a cult upon which no man had ridden. And he's looking for vessels that will carry his glory. And they're going to be carried on the winds of prophetic prayer and worship. What happened when they rode the donkey? What were the people doing? They were shouting prophetically, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, son of David. 
they were singing and they were dancing and they were worshiping. And Jesus came in. And then he, first thing he did when the glory showed up, he cleansed the temple. He got rid of everything that hindered. I'm giving you about five messages in five minutes. Is that all right? Everything that hindered the spirit of prayer. Because he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. What were they robbing? They were robbing the spirit of prayer. What have we been singing about? Lord, make me a house of prayer. God's singing about bring up the watchman. I was just like, man, just preach it. I'll just sit down and let you sing the message all night long. So there's a restoration about to take place. But then you see something shift. Go look at Matthew. Look at Mark. Look at after Jesus went into the temple on the final few days. That is when his message shifted. And he started preaching mostly about the end times. He started warning about the end time judgments of the church as well as the world. It was the shift of eternity. And I'm telling you, the message is about to shift in the body of Christ. It is going to shift to the message of the second coming of Jesus. The coming judgment and the coming glory for God's people. So I want to, in fact, let's jump to Joel for a moment. And then we're going to come back to that in about eight hours. (laughs) Let's go to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. In verse 28, we all know this so much. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And we love that verse. We're like, yes, the Lord's going to pour out. And then we, have our, then we have our ideas of what that looks like. We're all going to spend all night rolling on the ground, holy laughter, shuck them a hundering and cut them a sundering. Right? We're going to, oh, it's going to be glorious and there's going to be miracles and healings and those things are going to happen. But he's, the context here is really important. This, this is not just a verse or two verses just kind of out of nowhere. This is a verse that is very significant. So let's go beyond it and then we're going to jump back before it for just a moment. He said, Verse 30, I will show wonders. This is the context of what's going to happen when he releases this prophetic anointing. I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Oh, wait. That doesn't sound like rolling on the ground, Holy Ghost laughter. (laughs) The sun shall be turned to darkness and moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. So he's showing us. And then let me read the next verse. And then I'll make a commentary on it. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So what is he saying? I'm going to send out an end-time prophetic anointing, and two things are going to be manifested. One, there is going to be the release of the end-time judgments, which are connected to the prophetic anointing being released. Boy, it's quiet now. The second is there's going to be release of an end time harvest that is connected to the end time prophetic anointing being poured out. 
Now, you say, what does that have to do with Rosh Hashanah? Let's go back to the beginning. What does it start in chapter, or chapter 2, verse 1 in Joel? He says, blow the trumpet in Zion. So the first thing, blow the trumpet, and then he goes on and declares, we won't have time to read it tonight. He goes on and begins to talk about this great army. It is not a good, this is a judgment, an army of judgment. This is an army, there's a different debates in, in scholars on, some think it's the army of God because he calls it the army of God, but it's really God summoning wickedness and the wicked and releasing them like he did in times of Israel, in, in, in the past with the Israelites, and he brought in foreign nations. This is God saying, hey, I'm raising this up to bring about a judgment. Then in verse 15, he also says, blow the trumpet in Zion and consecrate a fast. So the first blowing of the trumpet in Joel chapter 1 or chapter 2 is warn the people of pending judgment. The second one is call my people to come closer to me and be consecrated unto me. And then he goes on to talk about if God will listen and God will restore and God will pour out blessings and God will give an abundance and will not be lacking in anything and the Lord will have mercy on us. Do you see how later on we talked about the blood, fire, and pillars of smoke before the great and dreadful day of the Lord? That goes with the blowing of the trumpet the first time. Then he talks about those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That goes with the blow of the trumpet the second time. It's a consistent theme. Are you all with me on this? Now you know why I was like, oh, Lord, if we have a really broad crowd here tonight, it's going to be hard to go through all this. So something is happening now. The end time prophetic anointing is not going to be a bunch of people running around speaking. Oh, the Lord going to bless you. He going to make you rich. He going to give you a beautiful life. And he going to do this. Right? It's not going to be predominantly those things. It is going to be two things. It's going to be one, a people who know what God is saying for the moment. And who are warning people to flee the coming judgments. And second, it's going to be a people that are so anointed with the truth and the revelation of God that it brings, it produces a mass conviction and thus resulting in a mass conversion. All right, y'all looking at me strange. Well, let's go to Ezekiel. I'm going to take you to a scripture that God took me to a number of times. I had a season where I was about to go on television in 2006. And the Lord told me to go on to TV. And I didn't want to go on TV because I'd been around a bunch of TV preachers already. And frankly, it's as bad as you think it is. And I was sickened by what I saw behind the scenes. And so I never wanted to do Christian television. I also never wanted to spend half the program raising money to pay for the program. And so when the Lord spoke it to me, I struck a deal with him. In fact, the way God spoke to me, he said it like this. He said, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, final Tuesday of 2006, and he spoke this to me, and he said to me, he said, son, I need you to do something for me. And my heart just sank, and I went, I just knew. I was like, oh, you want me to go on TV? He says, yes, I do. But within 20 hours, 20 hours of God speaking that to me, I had the first Christian television network except I had been working on the discipleship course. They accepted it as a TV program. Which you got to understand, that doesn't happen. It takes months to go through the approval process. 
And then later that day, a few hours later, I had a businessman from here in Sacramento call me up, say, hey, just how you doing? And I told him what was happening. He said, oh, I said, yeah. And they approved me right away. He said, well, how much does it cost? I told him, he said, I'll pay for the first year. 20 hours from when God spoke to me. But then before we actually went on the air and actually, you know, got the programs produced on the air, the Lord four times spoke to me. And he began to take me, he said, open your Bible, turn to this book, this chapter, this verse, and this is one of them. And he began to speak to me and warn me. You tell them everything I tell you to say. You don't become intimidated. You don't back down. You don't become afraid. You don't get quiet. You speak whatever I tell you to speak. And I would, the first time he said that, I said, yes, Lord, I will. Second time it happened, I said, yes, Lord, I will. Third time it happened, I said, yes, Lord, I will. Fourth time I said, Lord, I keep saying I will, but obviously I'm not getting the seriousness of this. But I think I know what you're doing. You're trying to put such a fear of you in me that whatever fear of man might try to come, it will be quenched. And then he never did it to me again. It's like, okay, you got it now. Ezekiel chapter 33, let's begin with verse 1. And again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man. Now, I, I know I, I told him to turn the air down a little bit. Uh, are you guys okay? Are you cold? Are you medium? Oh, it's cool. All right, all right. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring a sword, who's bringing the sword? When I bring a sword upon the land. Help me, Lord. When I bring a sword upon the land, in June of 20, I think it was June 26 of 2015, the Supreme Court established gay marriage to be the law of the land. I was in Kenya at the time. And the Lord spoke to me very strongly. And he told me there's seven judgments coming to America because of this. Told me there was going to be a massive increase in fires, in floods, in riots, in violence. There's going to be massive economic upheavals. He said there was going to be earthquakes. He said there was uh, one of the things he also said, he said, and he said, but the people won't repent. He said, and then foreign invaders will come flooding into the land. (laughs) And he said, it will begin to look like that great city on the hill is about on the verge of collapse. He said, but then I will remember the prayers and the giving of my people. Now put that in your spirit. He said, "I I will remember the prayers and the giving of my people. And he said, and I will restore America. But she, and who her original purpose, but she will never again, once again, be the great global power that she was. But I will use her in the end times as a place of refuge for my people during the end time events. Then in December 28th of 2019, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, and you guys remember me telling you here. He said, Warn my people that the decade of 20s is going to be a decade of extremes. He said, don't, don't, do not look to circumstances or things to stabilize. He said, they're not going to. This is right before COVID hit. He said, things are not going to calm down. He said, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. 
He told me, he said, I'm about to shake the global demonic economic world system. He said, my people are in economic bondage, but they do not realize it because the devil lets them have just enough to make them think they're prospering. And he gave me Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6, which says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And began to warn me. He also began to speak to me very, very strongly about California and about the judgments that were coming on California. He told me, he said, the homeless crisis is going to increase. He said, there's nothing the government can do. Everything. They're going to pour so much money and resources, and they're not going to be able to solve it. He says, because it's not a housing crisis, it's not even a drug addiction crisis. It's a demonization crisis. He said, there are going to be massive, unprecedented fires and floods. Boy, in the last three years, you've had that in this state. You have had the largest fires and the largest floods in the state's history. He told me these different things are going to come. He said, I'm going to shake California. And I literally saw, then I saw this moment. I saw this point where people were so stunned by what was happening in California. They were so shocked by what was happening. Uh, and I'm talking the unsaved, that they were walking around like a, 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 a cloud, like a daze. And then people would just come out of the church doors and they would go outside of the church and they would look at people walking around and say, would you like to come to church? And these people who used to be God haters who had mocked the church, they were so shocked by what was happening that they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because God told me, he said, I am going to frustrate the plans of the government so much that they will have to turn to the church to get the answer. But if you don't understand what God's up to when you see it happening, you're saying, God, why aren't you answering our prayers? God, we want blessing and prosperity and what this. And God is saying, no, you don't understand. The people have gone. They have decided and they love the darkness. So I'm going to shake them. Some are going to fall off into the pit, but others are going to be awakened, awakened out of their sleep and their slumber because of what's coming. But look what he says. He says, when I bring the sword upon the land, the devil is not bringing the sword. God is bringing the sword. Boy, it's quiet now. You're not going to be able to bind God. Come on. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. We love that. We don't read verse 13. If I, God, shut up the heavens that there be no rain, if I bring a plague and cause the locusts to devour the land, if I do, God said, if I do this, then if my people cry out to me, when I bring a sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet, what season, what day, what holiday are we in? The feast of trumpets. If he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning. I'm telling you, when I spoke, started speaking about judgments that were coming to California and everything that I've been speaking prophetically has been coming to pass. Everything's been coming to pass. And you guys have been with me. For, we've been here for years, and you've been watching these things happen. I had a pastor, a lady pastor from Southern California. She heard me on a speakerphone say about judgment, and she said, that's not true. God doesn't judge. I said, read your Bible. Well, that's Old Testament and the book of Revelation. Oh, and Ananias and Sapphira. And, 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 and. 
Yes, he does. He does. He has to judge. And we're going to get into, into, into a little bit of that. But look what he says. He heard the trumpet, but did not take warning. Why? Some people in the church will not take warning because they believe a lie that there is no, well, no, no, no. We're under, we're under Santa Claus season. You know, Jesus, you know, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. This is just, you know, blessings and, you know, Tinkleberry. Tinkleberry. What is Tinkleberry? I have no. <laughs> I don't even know what Tinkleberry. <laughs> Tinkerbell and Tooth Fairy put together Tinkleberry. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> Humor break, humor break, okay. But he says, but if it does take warning, he shall save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, even a single person, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. God's saying, if I show you what's coming and you don't tell people what's coming, it's on you. I, I don't. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. But I don't want to find out. Okay. I mean, I'm just telling you, I don't want to find out why I'm saying. I, I don't know what that means, but I do not want to find out. I do not want to stand before the white throne judgment seat of God and find out what that means. Okay. And then he says, so, and so, so you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Now, I want you to put this in your spirit. I felt this so strong today. The Lord is saying there's a new season. A, the day of the watchman has come. Yeah. God is going to begin to raise up those who have learned to come close to him. Who have learned to put him first, to surrender and to seek his face. He's going to be revealing to them the things that are coming. The good things and the judgments. And you say, oh, that's awesome. What were you singing tonight, Andrew? You were singing all of this. You were singing all of this tonight. It's the Holy Spirit. God, let us see. Show us. Take us in the secret place. Show us these things. He will. He will show us. But here's the responsibility. Son of man, I've made you a watchman. I'm showing you these things on a watchman. Now, the watchman, the watchman, a couple of things about the watchman. One, they, 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 would, they would be up in a high place. They were up in a tower. They had to be separated from the regular activities of everybody down below. Because they were engaged in the, the non-essential activities of what was going on below. They would be distracted and be unable to see. And we've got so many people in the church. That they'd even be, they'd love God and they'll go to worship time, but then they'll, they'll spend most of their time wrapped up in so many things that have no real significant value, and they're not able to hear and they're not able to see. But I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear, because I've anointed you with this watchman anointing. Let me stop there for a second to bring a Christ because there's some people that show up in the church. They think they're called to be watchmen and they think their job is to go in and correct the pastor all the time. I'm a watchman. God, you're a watchman. You got witches in your house and you got this in here. You got that over here, right? Right? No, 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 no. 
That's not, I don't believe that's really what this is talking about. And the watchman anointing is, you're going to see what God is doing in the land. And you're going to warn the people in the land. Okay? <laughs> not, not running around trying to micromanage every little thing a church does. <sighs> huh? Feeling like your job, you got the gift of suspicion. Called discernment, but all that is, I feel something. Jesus. You think as your personality, their personality rubs you wrong, Jezebel. You, you get a woman with a strong personality, a strong, a strong gifting, and I'll say, Jezebel, yeah! <laughs> right? I never hear those watchmen show up, Ahab! Always Jezebel. You don't have a Jezebel without an Ahab, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ahab's the one that led her in. Ahab was a Jew. She wasn't. Okay, anyways. <laughs> so watchman, therefore, here's what the watchman, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them. There was a are the icicles falling already? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That's cool. I, I be careful about this because I don't want anybody to figure out who I'm talking about. <laughs> and I don't think you will. But when I went to Texas, when I first moved to Texas, I was invited by the son of a very famous preacher. He had started a church there. We had become uh, friends. And he said, I wouldn't want to move on one side of the, the, near the airport. And he wanted me to come out where he was at about a 45-minute hour drive from the airport. And he said, no, come be a part of my church and this and this and this and everything. And he was really intense. And so we moved out there and we started going to the church. And he had taken on really hyper-Calvinism. And he was like shoving it down everybody's throats. And he was an amazing preacher, incredible gift. Started shoving down everybody's throats and even tried to shove it down my throat. And, and God had sent him several prophetic people. See, the Lord had sent him there to bring a restoration. His dad had built a, a previously massive church there. And God had sent him to redig the wells and bring a restoration. But then he got on this kick of this hyper-Calvinism. Uh, Once saved, always saved. Too much to the, point, to the point that he said, I don't even care about unsaved people because God pre-chose them to go to hell. So I, it was just extreme. And God sent him many prophetic, apostolic and prophetic people that he knew to warn him, say, hey, listen, listen, it's okay if you believe that, but back off from shoving it down everybody's throats. That's not what God called you here to do. And I was at a more Cirillo conference. And on the platform, the Lord spoke to me. He said, go back and tell him, thus saith the Lord, I'm benching you. Baseball term, I'm sticking you on the bench. For three to five years. Because you've refused to listen to the voices of those that I've sent you. And I said, three to five years. Why three to five years, Lord? He said, three years if he repents, five years if he doesn't. Three years if he acknowledges it. So it, I went back. I sat down. I told him. He was angry at me. He was a very gracious guy. He didn't get angry at me in front of me. But as soon as I left, the secretary told me later, he just was raving, raging. These people don't understand. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Da, 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 da. One week later, I come back just to see how he is. The secretary, as soon as I get the door, she says, please, please help him. He's freaking out. He's freaking out. I said, what? What's going on? I don't know. He's just freaking out. 
He's going to leave. He's just going to leave. And I went back, and he's pacing all over the place. He says, it's gone, Steve. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I said, what? The anointing. It's gone. It's gone. I got to leave. I got to leave. He resigned, left Texas, moved to California. Two weeks. Went and sold mortgages. At three-year anniversary, I called him up. He didn't even remember that I ever came to him and rebuked him. He said, well, what do you want me to do? Repair it, dude. He said, I just don't think I did anything wrong. Five years to the date, to the day, or to the week, he moved back to Texas and launched the church that he now pastors. For five years, he ran around the mountain. For five years, he missed what God had for him to do because he didn't heed the voice of God's servants that came to him. He was so stubborn. He's a wonderful, I love him. He's a dear brother. But who knows what all he has lost. God says, when I give you a word, you better speak it. Do you know how hard... Guys, let me tell you something. That's not something. I tremble. I cried. That's not something you said. I told this pastor and here's the judgment that came. I was broken. I never wanted this to happen. And that's happened a few times. And I wonder, can God trust you to love people enough and yet trust you to love him enough that you can deliver what needs to be delivered? We've got a nation out here that's going crazy. You know, you look at all the wickedness that's flooding and being propagated everywhere. I thought it was so disturbing in so many levels. You've got all these drag shows for children and they're doing all kinds of acting out sex acts in front of kids' faces and having them tip them, stuff and rub and all kinds of disgusting things. And yet you've got Congress people doing all kinds of things in public. And I'm sitting there going, you know, and, and, and then this side says that side is wicked. And this side says that side wicked. No, it's all wicked. It's all wicked. But are we too concerned about our political affiliation that we're going to justify wickedness on one side, but only condemn it on the other side because it's politically advantageous? Oh, God, help the church not be like that. Let us be the voice of God, the voice of morality, the voice of a conscience to a nation. And stand up and say, wickedness, stop it. Son of man. You say, Brother Steve, people don't like me that way. Well, they didn't like John the Baptist either. Well, I just, that's not the way we do it. Won't get in trouble. Can I get in trouble for a moment? So Steve Hill, mighty, mighty man of God, led the Brownsville Revival, incredible man of God, straight arrow, loved God. But he turned to probably one of the biggest preachers in the world who speaks very, very nice. He's very, very, very friendly all the time. And everybody just loves him so much. And he smiles and everybody loves him. He turned to him and he said, you know, you got to start preaching repentance once in a while. And he said, he said, Brother Steve, that's just, that's just, that's just not my calling. He said, he says, my calling is to encourage people. He said, but yeah, but you can encourage them right into hell by telling them they're going to heaven without repentance. You got to repent, preach repentance. He says, I don't care if you think it's your calling, you got to do it. And yet you still won't do it. 
And I know many leaders came up. You got to change. Still won't do it. Still won't do it. Uh, you're going to get rejected sometimes. You're going you're, you're gonna to risk things. But you never know what the end result is. God's saying, can I trust you to hear my word and speak it? Amen. I was with Nor- Dr. Morris Cirillo. I was, a, I was, it was uh, only a year. I'd started doing his youth ministry in, in summer of 1990. It was the first time I did it. I'm only saved four years. At, at that point, I'm only been saved four years. And so I'm a young, young guy. Went in there. We had a breakthrough meeting. But now we're in January of 91. It's the second meeting I'm doing. And Brother Stewart was so amazed by what happened in the first meeting. He said, Steve Hoss has total authority. He, whatever speakers are, he has total authority for their youth meeting. So we're down in Anaheim, and I get a phone call about a month actually before. I get a phone call, and there was this man that was a very wealthy man donating a lot of money to the ministry. His wife spoke in the first youth conference, and she was terrible. I mean, she was not anointed. I mean, it was, it was clotheslining. It was, it, was, it, was ter- it was just terrible, okay? But I got called up, and he said, well, she's going to fly out to the conference and attend because she wants to speak to the youth. Now, I'm, I'm young. I'm, t- I'm, I'm young. I'm 20. 20- what 20 what am i 26 i'm 26 25 25 years old still i'm 25 i'm young this is you know my big break so to speak i'm with more cirilla one of the hugest ministries in the world and uh they're telling me this lady wants to come and i and i asked him i said is it political and she and he said well yeah yeah it actually kind of is i said well i don't want to cause any trouble so okay we'll give her a session so we get in the meeting, and the meeting is powerful. I mean, fire, God's fallen. I mean, I was just, I just waved my hand, and kids halfway across the room go flying back. I mean, it was crazy. And then the Lord spoke to me the night before, or the afternoon, she was supposed to speak the next morning, the Lord spoke to me and said, cancel her. I never told you to book her. Oh. So here's a guy that is the, interna- the director of all the international ministries for Morris Cirillo and one of the biggest givers. And I'm going to have to go to a wife who flew all the way out just to speak and cancel her on the night before. So I pulled him aside in the evening service. And I sat there and I said, listen, I said, I did not pray about it. I was asked about it. And I said, yes, but I did not pray about it. But the Lord has told me you're not to speak. Nothing personal. Well, it was, but no, nothing personal, <laughs> nothing personal, but you're not to speak. They argue with me, and I said, well, listen, and they, 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 they really push back, and they're, they're kind of like inferring, like, you are in deep doo-doo if you cancel, and I said, no, listen, I have authority in that room, I have authority on this, and I'm going to, I said, you, I, 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 the Lord wants me to speak and minister, and uh, I can't have you. I get a phone call when I get back to the room. From the senior vice president, Steve. So what happened? I said, well, what happened? The Lord told me, don't have her. So I'm canceling her. And I heard, all right. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is it. I literally, guys, honestly, I was like, I'm going to obey God, and this is the last time they'll ever have me with more Cirillo. I'm, I'm going to get canned. They're going to fire me. And, I'm, you know, it's been, it was great two whole times. Woo! This is wonderful, okay? But this is it's oh, but I have to obey God. About two months later, I get a phone call from the senior vice president over their international ministries. The other guy was running their global satellite network sites. And he said, Steve, I want to talk to you about what happened in January. I said, Yeah. He said, I have to. He said, Steve, I need to tell you something. You gained 
huge respect with Brother Cirillo. Because he knew, you knew you were risking your future, but you were willing to risk everything to obey God. (laughs) And so they started talking to me about going to the nations and preaching for him as a young man. Because they saw that I had the ability and the courage to stand up in the face of losing everything. As a baby Christian, having this huge opportunity with one of the biggest ministries, I was willing to lose it because I have to obey what God said. Now, I was under rightful authority. Are you all hearing me? I didn't disobey rightful authority. Brother Cirillo had given me that authority. And nobody over me ordered me to go ahead and keep having her. Are y'all hearing me? So I didn't rebel. I was under rightful God-given authority. Had more Cirillo or or the authorities I was under said, no, you have to have her, then that would have been on their hands. Are y'all hearing me and understanding? But I obeyed God. And because I was willing to obey God, they said, you have no idea how far that went with Brother Cirillo. How much? Because he saw, because most people aren't willing to lose everything when they feel, you feel called and you have the opportunity. Here it is. This is the ticket. And you got to be willing to lay it down to obey God. And if you don't have that in your heart, if you're not willing to lose everything you spent a lifetime building, you can't be one of those end time watchmen of God. He can't trust you with the words he needs to trust you with. Because if you're trying to protect what you have, you are going to be swayed and influenced by the fear of man. And you will not fully obey God. You'll water it down. If you do say something, you'll water it down. You'll, you'll appease it instead of just saying what God said, how God said to say it. Whew. Are y'all with me on this? This is heavy. <laughs> he said, when I he said, When you hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, oh, wicked man, you shall die. What? Oh, no, you're going to die. It's not, it's not, it's. It's not like some of these preachers get up there and say, is homosexuality a sin? Well, I just don't believe it's God's best. No, you're going to die. You're going to die in your sin. I don't say that because I hate you. If I hated you, I'd say, yeah, go ahead. If I hated you, I'd say, keep doing it. Do some more. Guarantee your judgment. It's because I love you. And he said, if I say, oh, wicked man, you shall die, and you do not speak, and to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will receive at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked and turn from his and, and to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. Man, God's like, hey, listen, I'm I'm talking about you. You don't do this. I'm holding. I'm putting the blood on you. And if you do that, now notice the second part. You have not failed when you delivered the word, and they didn't repent. You haven't failed. You have delivered your soul. You have not failed. Have you ever read Isaiah 6? You remember I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? Woo! He sees Jesus and the train of his robe fills the temple. And he says, woe unto me, I'm undone. And then they take coal from the altar, touch his lips. Then the Lord says, who will we send? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And, uh, and then God says, yes. And then read it, Isaiah 6. Go and preach to people. And Isaiah, nobody's going to listen to you. 
Nobody's going to respond. Nobody's going to turn. In the end times. God speaks about this in the judgments. If you read in the book of Revelation. That many, many, many of these things will go on. And yet they will not repent of their sorcery. They will not repent of their murders. They will not repent. And yet we are still held responsible to deliver the message. We got to stop judging the success by simply. And guys, listen, I'm not talking. We got to stop judging the success by simply saying, oh, we had all these people respond and all these people love us and all the crowds are coming. That's not necessarily every season. Those seasons will come and they will be there and, and praise God for those seasons. And we long for those seasons. But we're just as responsible to speak the truth when they don't want to hear it and they don't receive it. Let's go to. Ezekiel chapter 3 for a moment. Are you all with me on this? I told you it was going to be heavy tonight, so I'm, I'm glad you're all here. <laughs> I was concerned because I, listen, the reason I believe, I believe in this house tonight. And honestly, this is, a, this is the smallest regular service we've ever done here, and I'm not concerned about that. Because in this house tonight, I believe there's those that God is speaking to your spirit and saying, I am appointing you as watchmen. You got to take this on. And you better grow in love and humility to carry the weightiness of this. And realize the watchmen that warn of the dangers that are coming throughout scriptures are not generally loved by the masses. But listen, God's mercy is to warn people before the judgment comes. That's God's mercy. Is to warn people before the judgment comes. Why? Because he's giving them an opportunity to repent. So it is not you being loving and merciful by not telling them. It's you being loving and merciful by telling them. When God spoke to me about the judgments coming in California, he told me, tell the preachers in California, pray for two things. Mercy and justice. And by the way, in the Old Testament, in, in Hebrew, the word justice and judgment are the exact same word. Cry out for mercy, because God's judgment is God's justice. <clears throat> Cry out for mercy and for justice. He said to Ezekiel, son of man, in Ezekiel 3, 17 and 18, this is real quick. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them the warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hands. Ephesians chapter 5. Beginning, beginning with, I'm going to start with verse 8, but beginning with verse 1, it says, therefore be imitators of God. And he says, don't, don't be engaged. And he talks about all the things, those that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, adultery and fornication and, you know, all of these uh, perversions and coarse joking and foolish jesting. He says, don't be involved in any of it. Verse 8, he says, for Ephesians 5, verse 8, for once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. How many want to be a light in this day? All right, walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, goodness, good, acting good, living righteous, and truth. Put that in your spirit. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Everybody say expose. That word expose literally means to sternly admonish. To admonish someone strongly, likely using argument to convince and refute them, to prove or show they're guilty. This is what he says. He says, don't, not only you and the church don't be involved in all these wicked things, you are supposed to strongly rebuke people. You're supposed to try to convince them that it's wrong. Now watch what he says happens. This is incredible. Why that we, oh, I'm sorry, uh, keep going on. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed, all things that are sternly admonished, that are refuted and proven and shown to be wrong, guilty, all things that are exposed are manifested by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. We're not being the light in the world simply by just living a good life. We're being the light in the world by also saying that is wrong. It's both. Live righteous, but also declare that is wrong. Lot was a righteous man. The Bible says he was a righteous man. Lot was a righteous man living in Sodom and Gomorrah. But we knew, the Bible told us that Lot was standing at the gate of the city. The elders stood at the gate. The ones that stood at the gate determined... We've been to Israel. The people that stood at the gate determined what was allowed to come in and allowed to go out. Lot was there allowing the wickedness to come in and go out and never spoke up. He lived righteous himself, but he didn't call out the wickedness. And Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. God only needed 10 people. He told Abraham, I'll spare it for 10 people. Ten righteous. But the righteous isn't just living right. Ten people that would stand up and keep exposing, being the light in the region by exposing the darkness, declaring my word, declaring my truth. And ten people in a cities of 200,000, ten people could have released so much light that it could have sparked a revival and literally spared Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why God was willing to stop the judgment for just ten righteous. And yet we have a church world today that is paralyzed by fear. We're terrified about speaking about transgenderism and homosexuality. We're terrified. Even when we stand up and speak about it, we feel like we have to qualify it. Right? We get all jammed up. Well, we love the homosexual. We just don't agree with their sin. What other sin do we say that about? Well, we love the child molester. We really love them. We just don't agree with their molestation. Do we say stuff like that? Oh, we love the rapist. We, we, you're all welcome, rapist. You're all welcome here. Just stop raping. 
Is that how we speak? No, we do it. Why? We're so terrified of being labeled as something that we're not. We're terrified of being labeled as hateful. We're terrified of being labeled as judgmental, right? We're terrified of being labeled as intolerant. We're terrified of being labeled as homophobic. We're terrified of being labeled. And as a result, we have shut our mouth and we're not warning. And the wickedness is spreading and now sweeping through our children. And our own country is pushing this. We've been trying to bring a young man over here from Kenya for a year. He just got denied his visa. They're denying every Kenyan their visa right now. You know why? Because right now they're in a trade negotiation, the United States with Kenya. And the sticking point is they want Kenya to open the door floodgates to the LGBTQ community. The entire trade deficit is being, and because the Kenyans are saying, no, we don't accept homosexuality here, they're now shutting down the visa process. This is what our demonic government is doing right now. They're literally holding up trade. They're literally stopping people from coming legally to this country over the gay agenda. How did we get here? The church got quiet. The church got intimidated. The church stopped speaking the truth. It's our job to expose them. Watch what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. I know in Ephesians, I mean, I'm going to read verse 14 and 15, 12. You all know Ephesians 4, 11. He gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting and full equipping of the saints. And he goes on. We're equipped to do what? That we fully mature and grow up into real mature manhood. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about, watch this, by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The spiritual children of the church, the immature, are tossed about by every wind of doctrine, wrong teaching, trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting they literally are crafting the communists were socialists and communists were so frustrated they thought they had had an inroad into the church in the early 1970s and then Jerry Falwell and others rose up and the moral majority rose up and there was this resurgence of standing against abortion and standing you know for morality this is documented. So what they did is they turned their attention on our seminaries. And they started buying off the seminaries. They started giving the seminaries lots of money. And they started putting in very liberal teachers into our church seminaries. That's why you heard about the supposed, I'm going to call it supposed Asbury revival that happened last year. And yet in that very seminary, one of the students that was helping leave the prayer Claims to be a gay Christian. Well, I can be a gay Christian. I just don't practice my homosexuality, therefore it's okay. But I'm a gay Christian. No, no, you're taking on the trickery, the cunning deceitfulness to deceive you that says you can be gay and, and it's okay just as long as you don't actually engage in anything. How long is that going to last? Not very long. Because, because, and the crowd, was the, the, whole, the whole school was like, oh, we love you. Oh, it's so wonderful. And who's standing up saying, no, dude, no. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. That's why transgenderism is so wrong, guys. You've got to understand it's a rejection of the sovereignty of God. God made them male and female. Oop, there it is. He made them the way he made them. So when you say, I'm born a male, but I'm really a female, what you're saying is, God, either you made a mistake 
or I reject that you were even involved in forming me. It is a denial of the sovereignty of God. The church has got to stand up and stand firm. And, and this is not, I don't care. You can label it however you want. Of course, they're going to crafty, cunningly frame it. Why? They want us to keep quiet. Because if we keep speaking the truth, the reality is, you know what? A man cannot become a woman, and a woman cannot become a man. Keep speaking the truth. It's light. Now watch what he says. By the trickery of men, every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. I'm going to find a place to land here in a minute. I barely started. Are you all getting something? Yes. Speaking the truth in love. How are you going to fight the ch- every wind of doctrine, how are you going to fight the cunning, crafty? These people are crafty. The way they frame things, word things. How are you going to fight that? You have to keep speaking the truth in love. It's not enough to just disagree in your mind. They say this. If you can come on the keys for a moment. They say this in the CIA when they train you. They train people, operatives, Undercover operatives, they train them in case they get captured. One of the ways is they try to program, reprogram your mind. Uh, as far as when they get, get, get you and they, what's that called? Uh, when they try to brainwash. The CIA teaches their operatives how to resist brainwashing. How do they get you to brainwash? Same way they're doing to our society today. They tell you a lie and they get you to repeat the lie how you doing today John my name is Andrew next day how you doing today John 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 finally you respond to it what's your name John maybe they'll beat you if you don't say you're John if you say John they'll give you a reward and the moment you start doing that you're falling trapped They teach you the way. They say it's not enough to just say that's not my name. You must actually speak the truth. You actually have to speak your real name. My name is Andrew. You actually have to speak it out to confront the negative lies that keep coming in your mind. You have to speak it out. You have to keep speaking it. For your own sake, you have to keep speaking it. That's why the church is so lost today. Because from the pulpit in so many places, we hardly hear any scripture. I met some people. We were up in Yosemite area. And I met these people, and lovely Christians. And they said, we attend this church. And they said, but our pastor just, he won't talk about any of the controversial issues. He said, I just wish he would stand up and say... Now, there was several families came together. They kept saying the same thing. They had a couple different churches. They said, I wish they did. I wish our pastors would just stand up. The one church said, oh, he'll occasionally mention it, but it's like, like two seconds and he'll fly past it. Like he's terrified. And they were all saying, I wish they would address these issues. I started addressing these issues and they gathered together and like, we want to hear more. I wish they would address these issues. I wish they would stand up and speak the truth. 
Because when we speak the truth, we are being the light in the world. And God's saying, I'm raising up a watchman. People that I'm going to speak to them, what I'm about to do, what I'm doing. They're going to have to be willing to warn people. They're also going to have to be willing uh, to stand up and risk everything. Understanding that they are, they are being the light. They're not being judgmental, negative naysayers. They are being the light. Because anything that exposes is light. What? Oh my gosh. You must tell people. Let me give you this last verse. It's five verses. Or, or yeah, four, four, four verses. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 through 5 from the Amplified. Just listen to this. Herald and preach the word. Keep a sense of urgency. How many believe we're in the end times? Guys, it's, it's going to get crazy. Please hear me hard. It's going to get, there's some crazy things going to happen. I don't know all what's going to happen. I just know there's a few things God showed me. But I'm telling you, there's some crazy things going to happen. Fasten your seatbelts. Don't get shook. God's in control. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. I just didn't seem like the right moment to share. Uh, that's not according to scripture. Preach the word whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable. Whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Whether it is welcome or unwelcome. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. And convincing them rebuking and correcting warning and urging and encouraging them being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching you keep warning you keep teaching you keep correcting you keep doing it and do it with all patience don't back away keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it you whether it's welcome or unwelcome i love that whether it's convenient or inconvenient it doesn't matter stop using the excuse well i just don't think they were going to receive it what does that matter that's not the condition of preaching the gospel For the time is coming, and we're here now, when people will not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to consider to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. They're going to surround themselves with the preachers that keep reinforcing the lies they're believing. I can't tell you how many places I've been can I've been canceled from. How many churches won't have me come back because I'll stand up and speak to church. I've got churches that have told me they have gotten canceled on YouTube because I preached in their church. And they're bothered. They lost. They got suspended on YouTube because of what I declared. Oh, so you're afraid of YouTube? Yes, they are. Terrified. 
I don't want to get canceled. You hear it so often. I don't want to say this. I don't want to say that. They'll surround themselves with a bunch of preachers that make them feel good and reinforce them in their errors. And will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander into myths and man-made fictions. As for you, though, this is powerful. I'm almost done. As for you, be calm and cool and steady. Don't get all worked up. And I'm going to preach on this. I'm going to shift into something tomorrow night. So you're going to, tomorrow afternoon is going to be so powerful. You're going to love it. But be calm. Chill. But I'm preaching the truth. And they're, they're raging and they're getting angry and they're not listening. God said, no, no, no. As for you, be calm, be cool, and be steady. Accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. What did he just put together? He said, you preach to them, convince them they're wrong. You keep doing it. You don't back down. You do it wherever you can. You, you be willingly suffer persecution for it. By this, you are truly doing the work of an evangelist. You are not going to have the end time great harvest without the prophetic watchman declaring what is right and what is wrong. You're not going to have the end time harvest by simply saying Jesus loves you. I love the message of Jesus loves. I love his love. But in the book of Acts, every sermon preached in the book of Acts, not one sermon even mentioned the love of God. Not one. I don't want to take away that message. I love preaching on the message of God, of the love of God. And it's incredible and powerful. And, and, and we want it. And it's so true. But the fact is, is this, we, we, we want to major on, oh, he loves you and it doesn't matter. And he just accepts you unconditionally and all of this. And we think that's going to lead to an great harvest. It may lead to a bunch of people coming to get their ears tickled, but it will not lead to the end time harvest. The true end time evangelists and the end time watchmen are going to hear what God is saying. They're going to declare it unflinchingly. No matter what the circumstance is, they're going to suffer persecution for it. As a result, they're going to be truly doing the work of an evangelist. They will be the ones that will see a great end time harvest. Rosh Hashanah. Blowing the trumpets. A tradition the Jewish people do is they take a stone. They throw it into the water. Which is a symbol of surrendering something valuable. In this time of reflection, not just repentance for our own sins. What about repentance for not being bold enough in the gospel? I'm going to take the stone of self-preservation. That stone of reputation. That stone of wanting to be liked by people. I'm going to throw it away. God is looking for watchmen that he can trust with his word. Trust me, when you're truly hearing this, you will not be a mean-spirited, crazy person standing on the street just yelling at people you're going to hell. That's not how this is going to work. You're going to be so broken with the heart of God. You're going to be more of a Jeremiah weeping let the priest weep between the temple porch and the altar. 
you're going to be broken because of the sin of the society, of the church and of the society. But not filled with anger. You're going to be calm. You're going to be cool. You're going to be steady. You're going to be patient. Because you're going to know that if I keep preaching the truth, light becomes manifest. Ronald Reagan was the first one to start calling publicly a politician, Russia, the Soviet Union, an evil empire. He was the one that said, it's, it's evil and it must come down. Even other Republicans said, you can't say that, you can't say that, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. He spoke the truth and the light began to shine and the light began to shine and the light began to shine. Not even 10 years later, the Soviet Union collapsed. Throughout history, there have been people who unflinchingly spoke the truth and suffered greatly because of it. But they changed the world. Sometimes even after they died, but their words changed the world. God's looking for watchmen tonight. I believe you're here by divine destiny. You say, well, I don't have a big platform. I don't have a YouTube channel. I don't have to. Oh, oh. Average person touches personally a thousand people in your life. And those people touch a thousand people. A thousand times a thousand is a million. And those people touch a thousand people. Now you're to a billion. You're only three people away. Because there's only eight billion people in the world. You're only three degrees of separation away from touching the entire world. That one word, you speak to that one person. that other person, that other person. You're only three degrees separation, four degrees separation away from touching the entire globe. Don't tell me your single words aren't powerful. You don't need a million followers on Twitter. You just got to speak the truth and love to this one person and that one person with all patience, calmness, coolness, confidence, knowing that the words of God are with power. His words on your lips are with power. Oh God, let me not hold back one of your words for my own comfort. Let me not hold back one of your words for my safety or because of intimidation. Oh God, Take me into the secret place that I may hear what you're saying. And I choose to say it. Even I have to suffer many hardships because of it. Because I trust in you. The Bay Area is not lacking churches. The Bay Area is lacking watchmen. Makara Bushek at
Go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. There's a weightiness of God here right now. On this Rosh Hashanah, are you going to throw your stone of your own reputation and your own safety and your your own fear of man? You're going to throw that stone away tonight. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up, almighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Who's going to speak? Who's going to declare? Who's going to hear? And who's going to say? Who can God trust with his word? That God, we know we're going to hear from you and we're going to speak it. No matter how much resistance we get, we're going to speak it. And we're going to speak it in love. We're going to speak it in love. But we're going to speak it. We're not going to water it down. We're going to speak it. We're going to keep speaking it. And we know we're going to suffer wrongly because of it at times. But that's okay. That's okay, God. Because the light is being, the light is being exposing the darkness. The light is exposing the darkness. Oh, God, trust me. Trust me. I just wonder. I wonder who's here tonight that says, I, 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 it's, the word tonight is speaking to my spirit. It's speaking to my spirit. It's speaking to my spirit. Come on, this is not casual. This is not light. This is not surface. Deep calling into deep. Deep calling into deep. I needed people that will take up their cross and follow me daily. I needed people that will take up their cross. America is at the crossroads. I needed people. California. It said it's such a crossroads. I need watchmen. I need watchmen. Here am I, God, send me. Here am I, God, send me. Here am I, God, Shake 
The day of the watchman has come. A new end time prophetic anointing. The day of the watchman has come. The true watchman of God. Oh, so, so, oh, They'll try to silence you, but they can't. They'll try to cancel you, but they can't, says the Lord. For my word will not return void. My word will not return void. You are not relegated or dependent upon the communication systems of the world. Speak to this one and speak to that one. Speak to this one and speak to that one. It will spread. 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 Come on, just a few more moments. Something's stirring so deep. Let the Holy Spirit do the work deep inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit do the work deep inside of you. Surrender every fear. Surrender every hesitation. Surrender every sense of self-preservation. Surrender. Oh. Here my God send me. Here my God send me. Here my God send me. Show. Show. I surrender. I surrender to your will, oh God. I surrender. speak the truth I would declare that which is consistent with fact and reality I will speak the truth in love the children need you to speak the truth the young generation needs you to speak the truth they need a generation 
of older ones to stand up and fight against the flood tide of the deception and the wickedness that's sweeping the schools, that's sweeping the culture. They will hear, they will respond, they will hear, they will respond. But somebody has to speak the truth. Keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking the truth. My words in your mouth will not return void, but it'll accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. Oh God, forgive us for every time we've backed away. Forgive us for every time we've muffled our mouth. Forgive us for every time we've even hesitated to speak. Oh God, fill us with holy boldness. Lord, like the early church prayed when they were facing persecution. Oh God, fill us with boldness. Fill us that we may speak your word boldly. That your servants may speak your word boldly, even in the face of Suffering, oh God. The breakthrough in the Bay Area is not going to come because some outside revivalist or evangelist comes in for a season. It's going to come because I've raised up watchmen in this area. I've raised up watchmen in this area. That will consistently speak the truth. The breakthrough will happen. Yes, they will fight against you, but I will be with you. Do not be dismayed at their faces, says the Lord. But speak everything I command you. They will fight against you, but I will be with you, says the Lord. Come on, it's a watershed service right now. This is a watershed service right now. God's calling up watchmen. The day of the watchman has arrived. A new day of the watchman has arrived. I did not teach you how to come close to me and deepen my throne simply to for you to enjoy my presence. But I also taught you so I could share with you the secret things so you could declare my word. You could declare my word. You could declare my word. Shaka <laughs> 
Maria toda me quer bacata vai cada e contorre macacababa shekada everything shifting everything shifting shakaba shakaba baba bokoko baba baba shekaba habamama mama kakaba kakaba habamama baba bobo shekaba shakande de shekende ku shakaba shakaba pande de bebe shaka Feast of trumpets. They would blow and blow and blow and blow and blow. Sometimes a hundred times. Calling the people to repentance. The book of Revelation. There's seven trumpets. They blow and they blow and they blow. 
Joel blow the trumpet in Zion. And then the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its blood. In Revelation, the fourth angel sounded. And a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that they, they were darkened. And a third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. The prophetic anointing that releases the sign where the sun is darkened, moon not give its light, is also described in Revelation as the blowing of the fourth trumpet. Blow the trumpet. If, if the watchman sees it coming and he does not blow the trumpet and warn the people, his blood will be, their blood will be on his hands. to say something incredibly heavy. God's end time judgments are going to be released because the watchman generation declares it. We will speak it. We will shut up the heavens that there be no rain. We will release the plagues. We, not in our own might, our own power, our own timing, but because we hear and we declare. Can God trust you with that? Can he trust me? Watchmen have to be separated. They're the ones awake at night when everyone else is sleeping. They're the ones focused, looking when everyone else is partying. But they're the ones that keep the city safe. 
Lord's going to use the most unlikely people in the most unlikely ways. And I believe some of you are here tonight. I believe you feel it deep in your spirit. You know it's almost so sacred you don't even want to tell anybody next to you about it. But you know, you know. You feel weighty call it's a sacrificial call oh the Bay Area California America and even for some of you the nations need it you may never be popular you may never be invited to the big conferences you may never have a book deal big following but you will release the light of God and drive back this present darkness cry out for mercy and for justice Father we give you praise love to lay hands on people, but I think the Holy Spirit's been laying hands on you. In this environment, there is something you will find that we can weed through all the junk that's happened in our modern Christianity. Put it aside. Don't let it filter your mind. There is something sacred about in these moments on these feasts about bringing an offering a sacrifice I thought about it today what a waste it would be to just suddenly go home today money left here (laughs) could have been used oh I'm not against saving don't get me wrong I'm not against that kind of stuff but guys put it in your I'm telling you yes a lot of people and preachers have manipulated things but put all that behind when God said blow the trumpet the feast of trumpets and he said bring an offering Something about that. It was a free will offering. It was a, a big part of it. Bring a, a meal offering, a meat offering, a, a food offering, substance. It wasn't a sin offering. There was a sin offering part, but the main part was this: bring this free will offering. You just come and bring it. So in these moments, it's sacred. It's holy. So I want us just to stay in this atmosphere of worship, Travis, if you'll. 
guys will get the envelopes. Just pass them out to people and just keep playing though. Keep playing, keep playing. Over the weekend, the Lord may speak to you. Some of you and challenge you. I know he's been challenging me. <laughs> I determined to give more. More aggressively, more consistently. Remember the first time I gave five hundred dollars. I only made six hundred a month, but I just did it. And then the first time God gave me had me give a thousand. Oh, I'm so filled with joy. The first time I got to give twenty five hundred. First time I gave five thousand. The first time I gave ten thousand. It's just amazing. It's just the Lord just raises the level of your faith. It wasn't even like my income went up that much as much as, well, it went up from 600 a month, that's for sure. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, I look forward to the time I'm going to give my first $25,000 offering. Wouldn't it be cool to give 100000 Wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> I wonder, and I just put this out there, I just... God can't trust you to give money. Can he really trust you to, for you to give his word? Because when you give money, there's a, a sacrifice. Can you sometimes feel a risk? When you give his word, there's a sacrifice. There's definitely a risk. It's very, they're always tied, they're very connected. Obedience. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. If you're writing a credit card, make sure you put all the information out. If you're writing a check, make it to Steve Foss Ministries. You spell million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. <laughs> you can give on your car. Listen, this is sacred. This is always holy and sacred. And do not let it shift you out of the watchmen. The watchmen are called to a life of sacrifice. It is in every way. They sacrifice some relationships. They sacrifice doing what everybody else does. They sacrifice entertainments. Sometimes it's isolation and aloneness. But oh God, what a reward. What an honor to be called as a watchman. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, as you speak into people, and Lord, as we come to you on this Rosh Hashanah, Father, on this time of just consecration, repentance, brokenness, surrender, and Lord, as tonight, I thank you for those that you brought tonight. I thank you for this sacredness of this moment. I thank you that you are trusting us with being watchmen that you're going to fill our mouths with your words <laughs> and we are going to declare it in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen